Welcome everyone to another amazing episode of the Cup of Nurses podcast and today we have episode 55 of the Cup of News. I just want to thank everybody right off the bat for your time. Thank you for your likes. Thank you for your comments. Thank you for your support. And if you don't know, we are on a bunch of platforms. Recently just hit 1,000 subs on YouTube. Thank Hell you for yeah. everybody. Yep, it's a, it's a good milestone for us. Thank everybody for your subscriptions and your comments and your likes on YouTube, as well as Spotify, our podcast. You know, we're all around. And make sure you check out our website, couplenurses.com. We have lots of cool content there. And we're also going to have more things rolling in, in the future, like a potential shop of some sort, maybe, possibly coming soon. And don't forget to check out wearefrontlinewarriors.com as well, right? Thank you for that beautiful intro. On today's episode, we're going to talk about new breakthroughs in CRISPR technology and also the wonderful drug ivermectin, which has been having a lot of conversation discussions about whether it's actually able to reduce the virology load of COVID, right? Yeah, so I, I like this couple of news episodes, especially when we get into these technology things, because technology is just, is just all around us and it's, and it's always changing. If you look back, I'll, I was, I don't know if I was reading something or I heard it somewhere, but it made me think. So there is a, I think they said 65 or 67 year difference between the creation of airplanes and us going to the moon. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? About 65 years it took us to go from planes to, to the moon. And now maybe we'll have 65 years or maybe less to go from treating via antibiotics versus maybe nanotechnology in the future like who knows where this is going yeah it's, it's awesome it's all so so groundbreaking and just just hearing it progress and you hear about these giant breakthroughs and it's even more interesting to me me like to see it progress the breakthroughs are amazing technology is awesome but usually when these breakthroughs happen it's not something that could be be implicitly done done to humans yeah Usually, it takes a few years for it to pass these safety trials and then finally reach the, the, the human stage. And that's really what, what interests me. And that's kind of cool. That's kind of where CRISPR is almost going towards. Now, exactly. And, and this trial that we're going to talk about, it's actually phase one. So CRISPR, CRISPR was actually successfully injected into the bloodstream to treat a genetic disease for the first time. And it's so cool because this is actually the merge between the mRNA technology that we see in COVID. And it also takes... CRISPR and injects it to that site to, um, in this case, stop like the misfoldings of proteins. Yeah. So for CRISPR-Cas9, it was a giant breakthrough that was able to allow us to use a specific protein and basically almost turn genes on and off, cut the RNA, uh, add different nucleotides. So it allows us to do all these cool things. And now the study that, that Matt looked into and how this is progressing, it's it's going it's going more, you could say, mainstream, and they're trying to tackle these disorders that are kindly, kind of on, on the outside perspective, right? Because when you bring these new new technologies into into the, the like the human genome and into humans for studies, you have to first target the diseases that are the hardest to, right. to the, treat. The rare genetic disorders. Right. Yes. So it's right now it's not a perfect time for us to use CRISPR to to fight diabetes because we have a pretty decent control of diabetes. And plus there's already a lot of things for treatment. So it's better for them and more efficient for them to tackle these diseases on the outskirts that not a lot of people have just to test the fundamentals and actually solve that problem and then move on to bigger things. Especially if you later on in the episode we'll talk about how expensive it, it is to fight this specific disease and this genetic disorder, CRISPR maybe will cut the price in half potentially. That'd be amazing. And it's crazy because just last month researchers learn how to fix cholesterol just in monkeys in May. 
and now we're inject this, inject, injecting this into the bloodstream. So normally CRISPR works in vitro. They basically inject me, uh, medications into like the genome and it does modifications. For example, they were able to inject CRISPR into like the, the fetal the uh, fetal diseases of patients with sickle cell disease and we're able to reverse that in rats. Mm -hmm. So now what we're doing is the University of London injected six people with this new drug and it's, it was actually able to treat four out of the six people. Not completely, but this is just the beginning stages of creating a technology that's actually able to maybe potentially permanently reverse a genetic disorder. Mm -hmm. So, so the, is, this, is this regarding, uh, you said, reversing the, the, the disease or the issue or is it turning it off for you to not get it? So, yeah, I'm going to go into the details. So when it comes to this genetic disorder, and I'm only going to pronounce it once because it's damn difficult. They were going to do an acronym. So it's transtheritin am amyloidosis, TRR. So what this is is basically amyloid amyloidosis is a misfolding in the protein disorder, okay? So normally your, your liver is producing this, and it creates that specific protein. What happens in this disease process, it binds together, and it changes the protein of the, the shape of the protein, which creates a misfolding. And what that does, it starts working in this uh, peripheral nervous system, causes a lot of neuropathy. Uh, for example, it uh, causes carpal tunnel in patients. It causes spinal stenosis because it affects the spinal cord. Mm -hmm. And eventually, it could even affect the heart where you're able to get AFib from this. Mm -hmm. So this is a very nasty genetic disease that the lifespan sometimes is only 20 to 60 years. Damn. And this is something that... Did you, uh, I probably looked into it myself, but does this disease happen early on in life or random? It can be, yes. Yeah. So you're usually born with it. There's two types. One, of course, is genetic. And then some patients, which they don't know how, eventually start having this problem when they're older mm -hmm. and they have that misfolding. Okay. So it depends when. Um, and what happened here in the study, it's interesting because they needed a merger of technology. So the person that actually created CRISPR... Um, her company that she started actually merged with uh, Ren Renegaron, Re Regeneron. Regeneron. Um, I'm not sure what medications they made. I know there's a few. Um, they're the ones that have the mRNA technology. So the mRNA, mRNA technology is actually able to deliver the gene editing um, device into the liver. Mm. So what happens is mRNA is like almost a carrier, right? Because usually CRISPR is injected in directly into something in vitro. Here, they needed to actually inject it to the bloodstream, and it gets carried to the liver to make this gene mutation editing. Mm -hmm. So it's fascinating because it's a merge of two huge technologies that we've just been hearing about during COVID and CRISPR for the past few episodes in the past few years. Right. Yeah, damn, that's amazing. So basically what they're doing is they're using the, the CRISPR-Cas9, uh, the, the, whole, the whole process, because, what it because all that's responsible for CRISPR-Cas9 is basically, the, it's basically an enzyme that moves from one area to another and then it's able to change genetics, right? So they, they use that as a transportation device. Right. And they transport that, that technology that Regeneron made. Yeah. They with that into the nucleus or whatever the, the wherever that needs to go, right? And the machine that, or the, the mechanism actually does it, right? Yeah, so there's, there's like two injected messengers mm -hmm. in this. There's two RNAs. One of them is to identify the mutation, and the other one is the Cas9 to cut it. Mm, okay. so, so the messenger is delivering both. Once okay. it's delivered, it finds a gene, it kicks it and then repairs this at the site. And then the body starts making normal production of that misfolding protein. Yeah, okay. So with the results, after 28 days, three men, given the higher dose of the two doses, had a treatment that 
had an 80 to 96% drop in the TRR level, the, the protein levels, versus a medication that's given now, it's averaged around 81%. Hmm. That's pretty good. You know, take it, a play. And imagine over time, it gets, they get more accurate, possibly, you know, more efficient. Yeah, and this drug, it's called Anpatro, Anpatroto. Jeez, man, all these medications F me up. But anyways, the cost of this medication is around $13,000 per vial. If you look at the treatment for a whole year, it's around $450,000 to $677,000, depending on the patient's um, weight in kilogram. Mm -hmm. So if CRISPR-Cas9 with this merge is able to reduce that price, because ultimately that's going to help our GDP, you know, we're spending 17% in healthcare. So that'd be cool if, you know, we're able to remove that process. And the next step would be to make this permanent. Mm. So that's the only kicker here, guys. Everything sounded so exciting when I was reading this study. I was so amped up about this. And then I realized that this mRNA is going to have to be injected every so often, they don't know how often, in order to keep turning off that gene that's creating that bad misfolding. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they're using, they're using the mRNA, te MR, mRNA technology as well in the vaccines. And that might be why those are temporary as well. Right. You know? Even in the pharmaceuticals, man, they're just a huge jump for this technology now. So we're going to see what it can do. And the lady, Jennifer Duando, that actually created CRISPR and the development of the Nobel Peace Prize, she actually said this is a uh, critical first step in the ability to inactivate, repair, and replace any gene that causes disease in the body. Yeah. That's the power of CRISPR. So yeah, it's, CRISPR it's scary because... The human body has been around for thousands of years and our DNA has been working just fine because we're still alive as a species. So what's going to happen to the future generations that are going to have some gene modifications now? It's going to be super interesting, especially with, with those HIV proof babies in China that they, that they, right. that they, um, they, they basically had two twins that, that were born and they used CRISPR-Cas9 to turn off the, the genes that are responsible for for HIV. So they're supposed to be HIV, completely HIV resistant. And imagine if we were able to do that to something like called like diabetes or certain other illnesses. But then the thing is, let's say, for example, we decided to turn out the gene for diabetes, right? Does that mean your body is going to always produce insulin? What if you still eat shitty? And because instead of you getting diabetes, you get something worse than diabetes. You know what I'm saying? Because you keep turning off that gene. Because just, yeah, just because uh, you turn it off, off of his birth doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to solve that problem. Because if, if the person keeps eating unhealthily, it's still going to impact their body in some way, yeah. right? So this is a very good theory you just bring up. So the way medications cause other adverse effects and problems in the body, just like, for example, taking amiodarone could cause the fibrosis in the lungs, right, and all that gene editing can cause other issues mm -hmm. that we don't know that could potentially happen. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's just like how anything in medicine works. It takes a lot of time for it to get established as, as safe because we really don't know what's going to happen to us over 50, 100 years because we have to have that medication or that treatment for that amount of time. Right, not only that, but now think about this. You know how our body always likes to go back to homeostasis mm -hmm. and it wants to remain at that point? What if now we start having gen genetically modified organs? What if there's going to be this push for homeostasis, meaning our body's going to be fighting these things off because they're going to recognize it's foreign? Yeah, it'll be, it'll be insane. Or even think about it. You know how we overprescribe antibiotics and there's like these superbugs? Right. What if we over edit our genes and then our, our genes develop a resistance to, 
to CRISPR, Cas9, or, or these tools that we use, and then we're screwed on all levels. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, wow. What if we keep doing, keep doing it over time, and then it starts to become less effective because we, we, we overuse, like we overuse antibiotics. We were messing with it around too much and not staying staying in, in the playing field. We kept going over, kept going over, where our body says, okay, that's enough because we're, we're being changed. Let's figure out how to live a, a, a cellular life without needing to use these enzymes that CRISPR-Cas9 does. It'll be insane. A very good point. Yeah. And, and that's the scary that our ethics never gets forward to the technology that's advancing. So we're always like a couple years behind on an ethical level. That's because it's kind of difficult to, to do that with ethics because when you have a new science coming along, you don't really have those ethical dilemmas yet. You don't. And the ones we ask those questions or have those ideas because you don't think that that technology is capable of doing something like that. And usually questions get asked after the fact. Or there's some repercussions. Right. And there's always that corporate influence where the more questions we ask, the more negative things we might bring about it. So let's not ask these questions. And let's, yeah. not, let's, not, foresh- let's not foreshadow too much into the negative future. Let's just push as positive. And then if roadblocks come, we'll deal with it. Right. Or the problem that we might run into is just like the sugar industry, mm-hmm. right? Where we knew, knew that sugar was bad, but we kept kind of putting lobbying money into protecting that and just looking at eggs and cholesterol and saturated fat as a problem. Right. Yeah. So yeah. that could happen too. So just, of course, be careful. If you know someone approaches you and you want to get a designer baby or something in your future, just I hold off. Just hold off. See what's going on. <laughs> just like holding off with. Talk to your loved one. mRNA technology. Exactly. Yeah. Because someone said, hey, you know, you want a designer baby and. Sounds like, cool, man. Sounds, sounds amazing, but like I don't think they have the technology for it right now. So if it sounds too good to be true, you know, probably is. Yeah, you're better off just trying to find a partner that's looking like you want to reproduce with. You know, <laughs> yeah, I guess, hey, man, yeah. you got you got good genes. Okay, we might make, make a good baby <laughs> oh, right there. That's so funny. And that's your own designer baby yeah. by picking your mate. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny, dude. All right, next up for you guys, we have ivermectin. So ivermectin has been on the news the last couple of weeks regarding its effectiveness against COVID nineteen. The main issue with, with this or the main reason why it's brought up a lot of people are are saying what's the point of ivermectin if you already have a vaccine the, the point that a lot of people bring up and a point i'm going to bring up as well is is the u.s government's or the worldwide government's lack of of approval of these kind of medications that were shown to be useful but instead of letting these things be used they they pursued more more new meds and vaccine and things like that where to bring in money right where they didn't really th- they were more focused on let's produce something that works compared to let's see what we have to see what works. We never looked at the arsenal of every other thing that we had. Yeah, we Even looked, we Decatron, at it a little bit. right? It took yeah. some time. We looked at it a little bit, but not as closely and as efficiently as we can. I feel like we looked at it a little bit and then I feel like we looked at it a little bit and then somebody came up with the idea of instead of looking, let's create something and then everybody had on that creation bandwagon and kind of ditched the, hey, let's see what we have. And now some studies are coming out are showing that ivermectin has some positive effects against COVID-19 prophylactically and even in, in hospital use. Even though the FDA doesn't approve ivermectin as treatment for COVID-19, I'm pretty sure the World Health Organization does. But you can't always look at the FDA as always trying to give you 100% positive and completely true information. They do make mistakes. It happens. Like Matt said, with the whole sugar thing, people have their own intentions. And, you know, if... Companies are making money and they're seeing positive results. They're not going to go back and, and, and change it. So a few things I looked into regarding ivermectin is, first of all, I was interested in, in actually how 
this medication interferes with with COVID-19, right? Because we have to first figure out what mechanism of action does this medication have that was able to turn off these COVID-19 receptors or turn off this inflammation. And when I looked into it, it actually inhibits the host important alpha slash beta one nuclear transport proteins, which are the key players in intracellular transport process that viruses hijack. So when your virus hijacks your cells, it hijacks the alveolar cell membrane, it latches onto it, right? And ivermectin is able to interfere with that process. So these viruses aren't able to latch on the cell membrane and, and change up. So it prevents your, your that process. spike protein from even being produced. To Correct. Begin with. So that, that's the main main reason on how they on how it works because ivermectin is not an antiviral; it's an antiparasitic. So technically, it's not supposed to treat viruses. But the theory is, ivermectin inhibits and prevents and messes around with a lot of different mechanisms of action between ourselves between ourselves that parasites use but also viruses use. So even though it's not a direct antiviral, it still messes with some of the mechanisms that might inhibit the, the, the viruses from actually causing like this large immune response. That's why we were using hydroxychloroquine at one mm-hmm. point because it was an anti-malaria you know malaria drug. Yeah. And fun fact, ivermectin was actually used between... Ivermectin. Ivermectin, I'm sorry. It was used between 1995 to 2010 to help treat uh, river blindness and help prevent it. Yeah, and as actually was... So when ivermectin first came to the public, there was one, uh, one family, one charity that donated millions and millions of dollars to treat river blindness and i think it was africa or or somewhere somewhere like that and and you know they funded this by themselves so shout out to those people i'm not sure what their names are which i wrote them down i want to tell them but they predicted that this that them donating this money and this medication prevented seven million years of disability because river blindness is that bad where it affects Tons of people, and it affects their genetics. So, so they saved two hundred and fifty-seven million dollars. Dollars, but it prevented seven million years of disability. What they're estimating is that by caught by oh, collective by, cost. Yes, not no. So collective cost was two fifty-seven million, but I'm saying years of disability. So wow. by them by this medication, this medication saved millions of of years of of illness. What they're saying, not only millions Damn. of dollars, but years of illness. That's how river blindness affects generations to that point. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure how much truth that is into it. It seems like a lot, you know, but if it, whatever it did, it was very promising. Like, it's right. crazy. And that's exactly what happened with polio, too. And we figured out that vaccine and we were able to cure it because it was causing so much disability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I actually wonder about that. My dentist brought up a good point. Jeez, I'd, I'd rather not say it on the air. <laughs> For sure. We'll, we'll talk about it later, man. I'm going to stir the pot hardcore. Yeah. Initially, I went to Ivermectin. I got interested in it because I heard it on uh, the Brett Weinstein uh, podcast. I think it's Iron Horse or Dark Horse podcast. Yeah. If you guys are interested. And then, then of course, I did some digging. I looked at the NIHS, I looked at Google Scholar, and found some pretty inter- interesting details and some interesting studies. A lot of them are, are meta-analyses just because the best way to gather large amounts of research quickly is through meta-analysis. So not actually doing the trial itself, but actually gathering all trials that were that were done if you're trying to do it as efficiently, as quickly as possible. Because uh, experiment with like a placebo and a trial group is going to take lots of time, right? So the next best thing is going to be to see everything. Because we've already seen, we've already seen the benefits of ivermectin in other medications. And we already know the mechanism of action. So we just look at the studies to actually see if it has any kind of benefit. Because once you figure out the mechanism of action and it doesn't directly inhibit parasites, it also inhibits the mechanism of action of, of viruses, then you already have have one of the keys to the, to the problem. Right. Then the only thing that's the issue here is that 
why ivermectin wasn't pushed so hard. It's actually $7 a pill. Mm. And there's cheap. many generics. It's just too cheap. Too cheap for what, you may ask? For profit. Mm. Because at the end of the day, healthcare is a business and everybody knows that. And if there's no money to be made, it's not going to get any publicity, no? Yeah. Especially if you just really quick, you dive into like who all these companies possess. You know, you look into your, your Vanguard and your BlackRock, which, you know, has all your 401ks. That's where most company shares are being owned by. That's where most influence is, you know, done. Of course, yeah. Everyone's going to take the route. Everyone's going to always promote the route that is going to guarantee them the most money. They also have your best interest in mind. But if I have two things, one of them I give you for, one of them I can charge you for a dollar, other one I can charge you for a thousand dollars, but they work just as good. You know, there's people out there that are going to choose the $1,000 yeah, because they want to get that, get that money, even though they're still helping you, but they're also helping themselves. Yeah. And, and that's what's wild that, yeah, that's why money doesn't solve happiness because it mm. just creates greed sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And when I studies looked into, and these are all available on our show notes. If you guys want to look at them, the links are there. If you don't, if you don't believe us and you just think we're just talking out of our ass, but they're all there. So one of the researchers, researchers that I looked into was, the title of it was Ivermectin. A U.S. Food and Drug Administration approved antiparasitic agent was found to inhibit severe acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus two replication in vitro. So this actually, this actually took a look at a trial which had seventy two patients in it, and this was actually in Bangladesh. And it took three groups. One group got oral ivermectin just by itself. Other one got the ivermectin plus doxycycline, and the third one got nothing. It was a placebo, and the results showed that. The viral clearance was three days quicker in the ivermectin group versus the placebo versus the placebo versus the ivermectin and the doxycycline group. Yeah. So if you give ivermectin alone, it's looking like your your viral clearance is going to be better three days sooner than the other groups. What's also fascinating about this is when you double up the drug ivermectin with doxycycline it actually increases your dose days to like 11.5, which is just as much with the viral clearance as if you were just doing a placebo and just like trying to fight off a bad flu. Yeah, so maybe some kind of medication interaction going interaction, on or maybe yeah. one medication is turning on something and other one's turning it off. So this is actually pretty promising because it, it actually showed you that alone ivermectin is, is, is beneficial, right? Because a lot of times in a hospital, we see, you know, uh, doxy given, given fairly fairly commonly, but... When you look at studies, so let's say if if there was like a group where it was just ivermectin and doxy versus placebo, and then the doxy and ivermectin showed to be positive or negative, that would have skewed the result. That's why it's always good to always have change one variable. Exactly. That's why there'll be changes just the medication. Another interesting study I looked at uh, was titled Review of the Emerging Evidence Demonstrating the Efficacy of Ivermectin in the Prophylaxis and Treatment of COVID-19 Patients. So this actually was another meta-analysis, I believe looked at like 18 studies, and the results were pretty staggering. It basically said that that ivermectin significantly reduced hospital time and significantly reduced viral clearance for patients that have COVID-19 with, with ivermectin use. And India was giant on ivermectin use because yeah. it was so cheap. Same with Mexico. Mexico used ivermectin, and then they, then they went from, I'm not sure how their staging is, but they introduced ivermectin to the population where they distributed it in their country, and they were able to drop their shut shut down um, laws and regulations. Yeah, they were able to be more free. The doctor was on here, or that was on here, that was on Joe Rogan, mm. 
had a great um, argument with ivermectin and all the benefits. You know that that one doctor forgot his name. Uh, I'm not sure what his name is, but yeah. So so it seems very promising with everything that's you know we're talking about. And even this one, this is a meta analysis based on 18 randomized control you know studies. I wonder if we're going to use this drug maybe in the future. For example, right now on TV, we're hearing about like, you know, COVID Delta and everybody's mm -hmm. freaking out. Um, for example, I talked to somebody at the gym and um, our governor was already saying something and he was already wearing a mask to be cautious about that. So you already know that potentially I think there's going to be, I don't want to say it, but hopefully we don't go back into like some shutdown or stuff like that. Yeah. It'd be super annoying. That would suck. That would suck. To be honest, I don't think they're going to push ivermectin as much is because they already have the the vaccine out oh, yeah and, we're good yeah and the, the vaccine is i guess doing a job for whatever um you know whatever we hear on the news it's lowering cases and, and stuff and so forth but there are also adverse effects to it but i don't think they're going to go back into ivermectin unless we go into another like giant uh shutdown right because there's no need for them to really do it because they're pushing all these, all these vaccines we already have the prophylaxis that yeah. we really need yeah. well the, our, our main issue the reason why i was a little upset about this is like they had access to this and just nobody pursued it. They had this information that ivermectin was was shown efficacy against COVID nineteen, but they still didn't do it. They, they, they didn't they didn't push that as as a beneficial. Yeah, they had this research. They had it. They had it before us. They had it almost in the beginning because when they were trying everything out to see what we could use, what we have, they had this stuff. There's nobody did it because hey, instead of doing this, wasting our time, let's manufacture something new. And that's how yeah. how it went. And it's cool because we've been. We started making cup of news technically because of COVID, right? This is where all it started. We started making these episodes. We're going heavy into it. And if you look back at those episodes, a lot of what we said or predicted or what might have been or why things happen, we were pretty dead on, man. Mm -hmm. and, and, and now we're looking back at things and, you know, everybody is shaming this drug, that drug, but actually wasn't that bad to use. We could have, but there was just always more profit motives. You know, you, you kind of see right through it, man. And it's, and it's very sad what's what's happening because, like, last year was, like, this huge slap in the face for me. And it's like, wow, I love science and I believe it in so much because we do this for a living. And it bothers me how political it got and it never became about the science, man. And I can't look at the news the same way like this and just I have to take everything with a grain of salt. Yeah, my views and opinions about healthcare and science have definitely changed. I've grown over, especially... If looking at it five years down the line, I went into nursing as one of the, even though healthcare is a big business, I saw healthcare and medicine as one of the smaller big big businesses. And over the years, I noticed that it's just as big as, it's you know, corporate Wall else. Street, you know? Yeah, it's just, just as big. And same with science. Science, you always, you always, you always uh, thought, hey, it's science, right? We always do science in with good faith and good measure. We always try to to see what works, see what doesn't on a scientific basis. We don't get religion involved. We don't get opinions involved. We just trial and error. Yeah. But now it's like, hey, that's being corporatized too because a lot of things in science, science need funding. And the only science you could do is funded science because it's very hard to do non-funded science because you're paying out of pocket, right? So you can't always, as a scientist, pursue everything you, you want to because the funding is not there. And sometimes the funding is in the wrong places. And, you know, if you don't be careful as a scientist, as a researcher, you're going to get sucked into it. Yeah, you make a very good point. I'm actually very proud of us as a podcast because we stood through trials and tribulations of getting censored and taken off like specific episodes when we talked about this stuff and bad publicity from like social media, people calling us like, you know, how are you nurses and not believing in yeah. science, but really the real science was what we were saying and showing you guys the facts and people just look like, you know, 
it was it was crazy. So I'm I'm really proud that we have like technically recorded in history that we're accurate and it's great to still be here and talk about this and look into different medications because ivermectin is actually something that someone brought up to me to podcast back like in March or April. And then like we got this bad hit with like this whole vaccine thing. And I just prefer not to even bring up this topic. I was just like, man, let's just lay low and not worry about this. So I'm glad that, hey, we could get, get, get to discuss this now that everything is, you know, out of the water and we're just kind of like everybody's chill. Mm. Even about the whole thing with China, correct? We, our episode got deleted when we mentioned that it could be a potentially like some kind of man-made virus that has some kind of variations in the mutations, right, that could potentially lead to that and same thing man and that was like when they did the whole the whole like hey where did it come from if someone tells you hey this virus started in this town that so happens to have a wet market and a level four clearance lab to experiment on viruses common sense would tell you hey maybe we should probably take a look at the lab first especially if the virus came from somewhere around the lab and everybody was like no 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 because it's you're being racist or you're you're it's not right like common sense is going to tell you right if like i don't even want to give any more like it's if, common it's, sense it's, it's, it's like your intuition you know it's yeah. your intuition it's not, intu- it's not even intuition it's not even intuition common sense when, yes. when you're looking for your keys what are you going to check probably your pockets first right you're not gonna check the fridge first right common sense yes right you're not gonna be like hey i'm not stupid i'm not gonna check my pockets because it's for sure not my pockets and you check the fridge it's not in the fridge and you check your pocket turns out it's in your pockets that's literally what we did is we basically and I don't know how, I don't even know how it happened. And it was, it was in the midst of like this whole racial thing going on with protests and everything. It was and, perfect. And, and, and it was perfect. And, was and that's perfect. why, and that's why. And then the lab or the owners of the lab or whoever's idea was it, they, they used us. They played us. Because by the time someone started talking about it, it was already, you know, months and months in. Even those Fauci emails, man, it yeah. tells you everything right there. And my dentist today, okay, I'll say this one though. The dentist told me today that supposedly like those emails were dating back to like the early 2000s. They wanted to put a patent on the original COVID like one that came out. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, man. I mean, if you think about it, they're just big people in power that yes, they're in charge of like the health public department and CDC, but they're trying to make some cash on the side too. You know what I'm saying? If you could say something and make something good and you could, you know, have a little bit more money. That's the way they see it. And it's, it's so sad what's happening, man. Exactly. Thank you very much for your time so much. We love you all. Make sure you check us on YouTube and see you on the next episode. Peace.